touch us as we look at the book of Daniel. This will be lesson number eight tonight out of the book of Daniel. We're going to start reading at the verse eight. At verse eight, we'll probably pick up more than that. That's amazing. We just got one, you know, verse and started there. Got one one verse per uh, each lesson, and we'll probably cover a little bit more ground tonight. I've enjoyed it thus far, what we're into, and I praise the Lord for His goodness and His mercy. I pray that the Lord's will might be done. I'll just read this one verse and, and pray and start there. And it's out of the book of Daniel, chapter 1, verse 8. And it says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. And let's ask the Lord's blessing on that. I believe we'll probably get that verse and another and maybe the end of the 10th verse. But let's pray. Father, give us understanding of the scriptures tonight. Lord, we read down in this scripture here that you gave these boys uh, understanding and knowledge and Father, you give them understanding science and things that they needed as they were going into Babylonian captivity. And Lord, thank you that we have a, a book like this and some men that stand and took a, a, a stand for the Lord God regardless of what it was going to cost them and what they're going to have to put up with. We do praise you for your goodness. Lord, I pray that you'd have your will and your way in our heart and in our life. And we'll say thank you for what you're going to do tonight. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to come to the house of God. Now open the word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen tonight. I pray that the Lord might have his way in your life too. Now, in looking at verse 8, he said, but Daniel purposed. Amen. I'll give you what that word purposed means in a minute. And uh, you probably already know, but we'll look at it again. And I pray that the Lord's uh, word tonight might ring out in our soul like we never had it to ring out. And I look at the things and see what we're seeing in our country. And I, we're looking at these, something right here in this chapter, this first little chapter, that's going to set the precedence for us. You'll have to say that Daniel was a good, godly man. Amen. I think I mentioned this, I don't know where the Bible study church, or I maybe have done it both, I don't know. But I do know that there's two men in the Bible, all the way through the scriptures, it's hard to find anything. Matter of fact, I hadn't seen anything on them as a detriment or anything. And one of them is Daniel. You, Daniel has good testimony from the first chapter to the last. And he's highly respected, and you don't find anything there. They're not saying he didn't have anything, but God didn't record anything on him. And Joseph was the other. And Joseph and Daniel, we ought to study them constantly because they're setting the stage to tell us how that we can stand for God when the rest of the world won't. And it also teaches us how that we can believe God when nobody else is believing God. Now this is a hard hour in, in these days to live godly. I'm telling you that. And you think, well, godliness is all around us. It is, but I ain't seen it. Amen. That's right. I, I see a few little things that are godly. 
But I know one thing, the church is in probably in the worst shape it's ever been in. Amen. Since it's been started. I don't believe that, preacher. Well, I do. Yeah. And when I see it, the church is probably making less marks in the world than it's ever made godly. It's making a lot of marks, but they're not good marks. Amen. I'll kind of look at that just a little bit. Uh, name me a church right now across the world uh, that's doing uh, the Great Commission to the fullest. I mean, name me a church getting four or five or 10 or 12, or 15 or, or 50 saved every week. I don't know it. Amen. Name me a Name me an evangelist tonight that uh, is uh, winning souls on a constant basis. Amen. Name me an individual tonight that is a, is a real peculiar soul winner. Name me one that's 100% right on mark with living godly, holy. Amen. We'll find in that is a hard thing to find in our modern day. The church has been caught in the web of Satan. It really has. The devil is setting the precedents and the devil is setting the standards and we're falling. Amen. Just like a spider going into a web and then a, some kind of varmint comes in and that web jump, I mean that spider jumps in there and tightens them little web up and tightens them down and then paralyzes them. That's what they do, paralyze pull them and you know that web they just hold them and then they they have supper when they get them ready so we look at that so the church is being paralyzed like that now daniel is a prophetic book and uh, it's prophetic from the start to the end but i want to show you some things tonight i believe it'll be a help to us if we could just get into it and see it like we ought to now the church is weak in the eyes of the world Actually, it's weak in my eyes too. Amen. The more you seem to go forward for God, the devil backs you up 10 feet. Amen. Every step you take, he'll back you up. Amen. We're into everything under the sun. The devil's a powerful force. A lot of people don't think too much about it. They pass it off. But we're in a, in a, in a, a, a day when brother the devil himself is overbearing and getting into this thing. And he's really working in the church. Almighty God tonight is not the almighty God that uh, people think. I mean, he is, but I'm talking about is not in charge like he'd like to be. Amen. Where is God? Have you ever got to thinking about that? Let me just uh, share that just a little bit. Have you ever just said, how come things are as evil as they are? Because of the God of this age. I've been on that for the last two or three weeks, but I'm saying to you that that's right. And the church is failing to do the purpose that God put it here for. You know what our job is? I keep telling this. Somebody tell me back now. What's the, what's the church's job? That's right. Win people to Jesus. That's all we ought to be involved in. That's all we ought to be stirred in. Praise God. And most of them don't want to hear it. How many has talked to somebody since Sunday that didn't want to hear the gospel? Amen. You ain't mean talking to too many then. You're right. You're right. Amen. I'm telling you, I done heard two or three. 
I've already had one or two walk off from me this week. And the rest of them just looked at me stunned. And I walked away stunned. <laughs> and I ain't, I ain't being critical. I'm just telling you that's the way it is. You start talking to people about it. Now the church is failing to do its purpose because it's bound up with the world and the sins of the world. And we're, I think what we're doing sometimes is that we're just trying to make worldly people righteous. Yeah. It's trying to win them to God. We're just trying to make them do better. They can't do better. I couldn't when I was lost. Amen. And so I, I just have to preach the word. The word does it. Our homes are being affected by our churches. Our hearts are being affected by our churches. And sometimes and many times in the wrong way. Our families are affected by our churches. And our kids are being affected by our churches. And when you don't have a strong church, you got a problem. Amen. amen and amen. Now, the devil is silencing the preachers and calming down the preachers and getting them to where they will not preach the full word of God. And even when they do preach the full word of God, every now and then they will. Some of them. Amen. You know what happens? We pay no attention or we get upset. And we don't want to hear the man of God. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, I'm really concerned about it. Our membership of most churches across our nation tonight are not wanting to hear the real truth of God. They are a lot of them, and I thank God they are. There's a lot of preachers that are preaching the truth. There's a lot of people uh, listening to the truth. But the next problem is they're not obeying the truth. We not only have to listen to Word of God, we've got to hear the Word of God, and we've got to heed the Word of God. We can't just look at this and say, I don't agree with it, I disagree with it. We've got to take the Word of God, and we've got to apply it and get in harmony with the man of God and the Word of God Amen. and the Lord God. Amen? Amen? We've got to do that. If you disagree with a preacher, I have a lot of them do. And if they, and I'm not talking just me. They disagree with other preachers. I was in public and I talk about it, and some of them say something about the church and the preacher. And I hear people talk about what the preacher preaches. Now, I don't mind them telling me some things sometimes to look out for, but when they're telling me they don't like what the, their preacher says, and they go regular, yeah. why in the world to just get on out and quit hindering the man of God? I heard there's some yesterday, one man told me yesterday, amen, after we got through work down here, uh, one man told me, he said, he just tolerated his preacher. He said, I don't care for him, I don't like him, I don't like his preaching. But he said, I got a cemetery plot. That's what he said. Did you know this multiplied thousands of people in the church are looking about where they're going to be buried at? They'd, they're going to die off and leave him. My, well, they don't, don't, they don't like him. Yeah. Amen. I'll I tell you this. If you've got a pastor and you don't get upset at him every once in a while, he's not doing his job. Yeah. That's right. Every preacher I ever hear 
Every one of them, I'm talking about good ones. Amen. Bad ones don't seem to bother me. You know, I'm going to tell you this. I'll put this in the mix. You can't preach the Word of God too hard for me. Now, it hurts. But I don't get mad at the man of God when he skins my hide, cuts it open, and pours salt in. So I'm good at that. Now, Daniel, he said he purposed in his heart that he would not defile the king's, not defile, I want to, I'd like to miss something, himself. Now, get this. He did not want to defile himself. Daniel is mentioned in the Word of God uh, 73 times. All of them mainly is in the book of Daniel, except for 1 Chronicles 1 verse, Ezra 1 verse, Nehemiah 1 verse, Ezekiel 3 verses, and the others are all in Daniel, except two verses in the New Testament. And he's used quite often. God used him. And there's several places in the book of Daniel is all about him. He's in that. And of course, they changed his name. And uh, we talked about that last week, and that's what the devil wants us to do. But verse 8 said, but Daniel purposed. You know what purpose is? Made up his mind. That's something we need in America tonight across this land. We need some men who will make up their mind that they're not going to be defiled by the, the king's meat, defile himself by the king's meat or drink the king's wine. This is a good teaching of godly living. And I believe that God is laying the foundation for it to tell you that Daniel was qualified Daniel was ready. You want me to tell you why I believe it? God shut the mouth of the lions, lions that he's thrown in on. He had been living for God, paying attention to God. We're going to get into this in just a minute. And I pray that God might help you with that. Purpose means he intended to do right. It means he had a plan to do right. He had a plan and a design and he decided Come hell or high water, whatever it's going to be, he's going to stand for God and God alone. Now, can you just picture this just a minute? I believe Daniel was living right before he got to Babylon. Because if he hadn't, he might have lost what he, his stand he took. He wouldn't have lost his salvation, but he could have lost his business of standing for God. So he is used to serving God. He used to knowing what it was. He had set out in his mind that he was going to do right. He had made up his mind. And I'll show you in a minute another little phrase I put to that. But something before his mind got made up happened to him. Now that purpose is in the word of God several times. 19 times totally. And then the word purpose. Did you, have you ever heard people say you must have a purpose in life? Sometimes I wonder what people in the church has got a purpose of. I know what my purpose is. Preach the word of God and stir you up and try to get you under conviction to get you saved. That's my job. I love it. I ain't figured out how to do it yet. 
I'm working on it. I need God to show me and God needs to show you. So when we get together in one mind and one accord, our job is to make sure we're trying to win somebody to the Lord Jesus and tell, not just go to church. I'm not looking for, to try to get people to fill up the building. A lot of preachers are. I'm not trying to set a rule tonight that we're going to uh, know that we're not going to know the Word of God, but my desire is I could teach you a lot of things about the Bible, but I want to tell you tonight, if you don't get saved, it ain't going to do you no good. You're going to die without God and go to hell. I want you to be saved. I guess I, I'm concerned about this more than anything in my life at my age right now. I've pastored lots of people for years. And I've wondered, I've buried a lot of them. And I've wondered how many of them that I've buried made it to glory. I don't know your heart. I know mine. And I believe many of you are saved. But I don't know that. That's why I preach uh, like I'm a wild man and you're a maniac. <laughs> preach to you like you're lost. You may be, I don't know. And I keep trying my best to crack the shell to get you to say, oh, I'm a, I'm a lost man. I'm a lost woman. Oh, God, help me. You want me to tell you something that bothers me? A lot of things do. But I'm going to tell you this. I, I, I'm troubled about people not going to... You see, I've been saved for a long time. And I have to repent constantly. Amen, man. And I have to ask God to forgive me multitudes of times. And I spend a lot of my time at my house over yonder on my knees before God. Amen. Praying, riding down the road. But I've been here and sometimes I have to go to the altar. I come in and I, I make the place. But I've preached in churches after churches down through the years. And some people never make one move to the altar. Has it been 30 years that you ain't never had to go to the altar? Why? I ain't perfect. Far from it. And I have to go to the altar. There's one church I pastored one time. And every time we'd give an invitation sing an invitation song, that one person would come to the altar. I've had this happen more than once. But they some sometimes get in the church and they got seem like they've got to go to the altar every, every service. And somebody in the church said to me, he said, I don't know what's wrong with them. Can't they get things settled? They go to the altar too much. And I said, how long has it been since you've been? And I said, you had to go? No. Come in one night, uh, Wednesday night service, and a woman sat back here on about where Brother Virgil is, and and uh, I said something. I said, "Oh, we need to we need to get the altar full tonight and get right." She said, "The altar's for sinners." You know what I said? Have you never been a sinner? Yep. You're not a sinner now. No. You understand what I'm saying? The altar's for everybody. If everybody frequented the altar here all the time and stayed up and prayed up, 
Well, I got to say, when I was 45 years preacher, and I turned it all over to God, and I don't worry about nothing. You're not concerned that you've missed a mark somewhere? I am. Matter of fact, I've got something inside of me that tells me I have. Sometimes uh, he interrupts my schedule. <laughs> he interrupts my schedule tell me there's something. Uh, he don't consider it, but I look at it like it's little simple things. But if it, if it was enough for him to interrupt my schedule, it must have been more important than I thought it was. I defy and get upset and people tell me they don't believe that they're a sinner or don't have no sin. Now look at something. Let's go to the book of Ruth for a minute. Ruth is the eighth book of the Bible. Uh, it deals with the grace of God. And uh, we'll, we'll look at Ruth for a moment. You got to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, and then what? All right. So we're going to the book of Ruth. And I want you to look at the book of Ruth for a minute. And I want you to look at chapter 2 and verse 16. Ruth chapter 2 and verse 16. And let fall also some of the handfuls of what? Purpose. Now we're looking at this and... You won't know anything of what I'm talking about unless we go back and read the uh, verse or two before it. Verse number 14 for one. And Boaz, which is Christ is the kinsman redeemer, and Boaz is the kinsman redeemer, and he's a type of the Christ. And Boaz said unto her, At mealtime come thou thither, and eat of the bread and... Uh, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers. And he reached her parched corn. And she did eat and was sufficed and left. And when she was risen up to glean. You know what gleaning is? Walking around in the field after the reapers have been along. And the gleaners are those who picked up what the, uh, I mean the, uh, they picked up the, the gleaning of it and got it after the young men had went through and reaped it. Then the, the gleaners picked up what they could get for themselves. It said, Boaz commanded his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves. That's a, that's a little bit more nutrient, more there. And reproach her not and let fall also some of the handfuls of in other words drop a little and God had already made provision for some of the gleaners because he said you round the corners you know you leave a little for the gleaners for the yeah for the ones that's coming by and gleaning and he said let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her and leave them that she may glean them and rebuke her not. Boaz had a purpose. I'm trying to say this morning or tonight, we need to have a purpose in our life. You need to have some kind of purpose. We need to have some kind of plan, some kind of thing that we come into the house of God for. Why do we come here? 
I'll explain that in a little bit. Now, let's look at 1 Kings 5. 1 Kings 5 goes right on over. You go to Samuel, and uh, you'll come on then to uh, 1 Kings, and well, let's go to chapter 5 and verse 5. Chapter 5 and verse 5 of 1 Kings says this tonight, praise God. And behold, I purpose to build a house under the name of the, of the Lord my God, as the Lord spake unto David my father, saying, Thy son whom I will set upon thy throne in thy, bosom, in thy room, he shall build a house unto my name. Solomon. So he's talking about. So he's saying here, he's saying he had a purpose. The purpose of Solomon was to build the house of God. We ought to have a, ba- a purpose tonight to help build the house of God. To do the work of God. And we do that by winning souls. That's why I'm always against pleasures and things brought into the house of God. That's not good. Amen. And then in Ezra. We'll come over to the book of Ezra. And I'll give you this one. And then we'll go to something else. Ezra chapter 4. In Ezra chapter 4. He's a priest. Ezra chapter 4 and verse number 5 says. And hired counselors. Against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. And it talks about in verse 4 then the people of the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah and troubled them in building. And I'm telling you tonight, that's what the devil's doing to our churches and our people, our lives and our hearts and our families. They've set out to weaken. I said, well, ago, the church is weak. But I want you to know, we ought to learn how to live for God. Amen. Amen. I appreciate the Lord, don't you? So Daniel purposed in his heart, not his head. A lot of church folks have made up their mind to go into the house of God just to do this and to do that and just get involved in this and get involved in that. But why do you go to the house of God? You go to get something. Let's look at some more about Daniel for a minute. Daniel proposed in his heart, amen, that he would not defile himself. Now here's where some of the church folks would disagree with me today in this modern day. You can defile yourself. Now you know what happens? And I've seen this over and over and over. Let me tell you, this is where I charge you, I challenge you. Back yonder in years and, and days gone by, and uh, you've done things. Maybe some of you got old habits you can't uh, get rid of, or at least you say you can't. There's no habit in your life that God can't take care of. The only thing He's waiting on is for you to give it up. And He won't. And if you don't give it up, He can't get rid of it. Now God's a strong God. I want you to know He's Almighty God. I always say, you know, the devil is strong, but God's stronger. The devil is mighty, but God's Almighty. But there's things that God cannot do in your life. And it's not because He's not able. It's not because He won't do it. Well, it may be to that effect, but I'm telling you, there's some things... He can take care of it, but He will not 
till you forsake it. You keep hanging on to it, hiding it in your back pocket, uh, putting it here and putting it there. Brother, I want you to know right now, you cannot, you cannot get rid of that. They tell a drunkard, said you drink that liquor and you'll get cirrhosis of the liver. You hear, you hear that, don't you? So they drink it, take a little sip, and guess what? They drink and drink and drink, and next thing they have a problem, they go to the doctor, and the doctor said, you've got cirrhosis of the liver, you're not going to live long. Then they start to find, trying to find them a church, go to the church house, stand up and said, I want everybody to pray for me. I got cirrhosis of the liver, I'm going to die. They don't have no care for it. And back yonder, God done warned them. It'll be by the grace of God if God does. But they'll tell them and go back. I've seen a many of them sold their self to sin and now they're dying. I've watched people raise kids. I've watched their kids go wild. I've watched their kids go here and go there and do this and do that. I've watched those little kids run out into the world sin. Stay there and stay there. And mom and daddy didn't go to the house of God. They didn't pay no attention to the church house. They didn't fool with nobody about it. But yet what happens? Their mom and daddy finally gets in and they cry out and say, Oh, people, please pray for me that my kids will get in. I pray that God Hey, you lost out down yonder. God may do it. But God just may not touch them. You said... If they call on God, they will. Hallelujah, you're right. There's some things probably in your life, uh, you know, you know you've done something wrong. You got sin harbored. You got it hid. You got it covered. You got 14 quilts on top of it under the bed and you got it all there and uh, you can drag that out every once in a while. But then you go down the house of God and you say, Oh, Everybody pray for me. But you better go home and dig all that out and get rid of it. People don't believe that. You know what we do? We go do something and we ask God's blessings on it and we know good and well God ain't going to bless it. If He said it's wrong in the Bible, it's wrong. And God ain't going to bless your sin. No need praying that God's going to help you with your sin. He don't do that. He brings judgment on your sin. Can't get people to see that, but it's true. It's true. It's true. Daniel purposed his heart. Let me get to tell you some things he purposed. Number one, he purposed to hold to the Word of God. You're not going to back down on the Word of God. That book is real. I love the book. I don't... See no errors. I haven't found no contradictions. I've seen some that people thought they found, but there's none there. It's how you interpret it. Amen. He purposes hard. He's going to keep living for God as usual. Just going to Babylonian captivity was not going to change his mind toward God. I ain't got into it yet, but he was a prayer warrior. Yeah. 
Daniel prayed. He said, Daniel, if you pray to anybody's, any other God, but amen, the king's God, and then you're going to have to go to the den of lions. He went back down there, and uh, if he had been a typical Baptist, he had to pull the, the, the windows down, put duct tape around them, and shut the curtains. But no, he raised the windows and cried out as before. And they come running up there and they said, He's praying, but he's not praying to you, O king. He had made up his mind. He was still going to honor God, keep living for God as usually he did. He was not pers- he was persuaded not to change his course of life. I'm sure he was not accepted. If you live for God today, they won't accept you. Your friends, you said, I got some friends that wouldn't have nothing to do with me. Amen. You got the wrong friends then. You can't do that. Amen. You got to have some good friends. He says, I ain't going to compromise. I'm not going to take a little bit of part of this. I'm not going to compromise at all. He said, I'm not going to change my lifestyle. I'm going to live the way I want to live. And the way I want to live is to live for God. He said, I'm not going to defile myself. I'm not going to eat the Babylonian food. Amen. I'm going to drink the king's wine. Amen. You know why? Because that... That uh, food could have been meat as offered to idols. Babylon was an idolatrous land. Had idols to the sun god. Idols to the fire god. Had idols to to several, all all kinds of them. Amen. He said, I'm not going to drink the king's wine or eat the king's meat. I'm not going to defile my body. His purpose caused him uh, to request that the prince of the eunuchs even give him the normal diet that he is used to. I'm sure he could have had the best beef in town. And in that, being in Babylon, it could have been the best pork chops you could get. But he knew he was a Jew and couldn't eat that. And he wasn't going to defile himself with the king's meat. And he wasn't going to defile himself with the king's wine. Amen. Of course, uh, I don't know what some of these liberals would do today. They'd think you can take a wine for the stomach's sake. And uh, they, somebody asked me the other day, said, what do you think about, about that? They just mentioned it. And I, and I said, and of course I come back and I preached it here. And that was, uh, you, you take a little wine for the stomach. I don't even, just make sure you do it right and don't take none of it. I've been on this earth a little while. And I ain't had to have none of that stuff to get me by. Amen. And so I praise God for it. Uh, I suppose that Daniel was probably the big, biggest influencer on the life of those three Hebrew children. You notice the three Hebrew children, I could give you the verses that are mentioned, 
But they're not mentioned that many times. And they're only mentioned in the book of Daniel. Yeah. All three, I mean, all three of them boys. And after they went through the fiery furnace and was brought out of it, you don't find them mentioned again, hardly. Except every now and then in the book of Daniel. But that's it. Daniel's mentioned many, many, many times, and he was the chief, I suppose. And God honored him. And they honored him through. Don't you know it's a little easier when you got somebody that's living like you're living? You know we're living in a day of the church today when it's hard to find people that'll even stand with you and stand for you and stand with the word of God tonight when the going gets rough. They'll cash out on you. They'll sneak out the back door. They won't stand with you. Brother, I'll tell you what. I'm saying this tonight. You better take heed to what I've got to say. This country's not the best in the world. America that started off as a God-fearing nation, believing the Word of God and praying and preaching. That was a time when America loved the preaching, the Word of God, and now they don't love it. Now you said, I do. I ain't talking to you then. Amen. They don't want to hear it out there. I know how to get people off my back in a hurry. I start naming the name of God and preaching a little bit, giving a few scriptures, and I watch them get squirmish. And what I do then is I just back off a little, get my breath, let my brain think a little bit, and then I take off again. And I just work on them. That's miserable. That's torture. A man of God that don't love... I mean, a man... I didn't say a man of God. didn't mean to say it. Uh, a man who don't like God, despises God, despises the Word of God, they get uncomfortable with the Word of God. And if they don't, amen, they're too far gone. I ain't saying God can't save a man. He can. I got one thing. A fellow told me the other day something about it, and I said, there's not but one thing cause a man to go to hell, and that's not believing in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Somebody said, what, what can send you to hell? Well, ain't but one that can, but I want to tell you, there ain't but one sin that'll cause you to go, and that's rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. God don't like you playing around with His Son. He don't like you trampling His blood under your feet. You can get in terrible trouble by doing all that. Amen. Now, we can look at this tonight and we'll see it. Let's look at verse 9 for a moment. Now God had brought Daniel into favor. I love this. And He says, And tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. God can make those who hate you love you. God can make them that don't care for you, He can make them one of your best friends. I I tell you this right now. I, I, I see this man, I guess, two, three, four times a week. And I told this story not too long ago, but I'll tell you because this is where I get this. When I was 
in the sixth grade. This man didn't live too far from us. I rode the bus. He rode the bus. He was a smart aleck and a bully. How many ever seen them? I was on the bus. He's always a picking at me, making fun of me. He's one of those that my poor old daddy worked in the sawmill and apple orchard. Didn't have, didn't make much money. His five us kids. One of them was a sister, and daddy didn't take her to the barber, but uh, he took us boys. It cost twenty five cents. And that 25 cents is hard to get. And we didn't go on a regular basis. We went when daddy had the money. And I was a hippie when there weren't no hippies. But it wasn't our choice to be that way. That was kind of forced on me. And we go in there and they'd call us, one of us in the man's house. And uh, we was down at the barn trying to feed the old mule corn and all that stuff. And they'd come and call the other and we'd go in there. But before I got back there again, my hair was longer. And it was covering the top of my ears. And this one happens to be the grandson of the barber. We get on the bus and he'd pull my hair and he said, Oh, you little girl, you little girl. That bothered me. I couldn't help it. And uh, he'd pick at other things. And one morning we pulled into the school, Fairview Elementary. You know where the old school is, I guess. We got off the bus and he stepped down off of it. He'd been doing this for months. He's, and I just got off the bus first, and I stood there. And when he come off the bus, I slapped him, kicked him, knocked him down, spit on him, and everything else. I mean, then I got mad, and uh, I know I shouldn't have done it. Daddy always told me you ever get in a fight, I, uh, I'm gonna wear you out when you get home, and that's what kept me from doing it. But when I got through. He 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 surrendered. He didn't bother me anymore. I went to the principal's office and I looked him in the face and I said, I come get my whipping. He said, For what? I told him I just whipped him. Because he'd been a bully on me for so long. Now I ain't I ain't advocating any of the kids in here doing that. Don't take me wrong, amen. But I say this. He said to me, he said, go on to your class. That was strange. I thought, well, he'll wear me out. That's when he used him on big boards and had holes in them. Amen. And so he had already given me one whipping, and I didn't want that because there's a throwing rocks. And I wasn't throwing rocks, but I was hauling the rocks to them. <laughs> and they got us all in there, and he said, you, was you throwing rocks? I said, no, sir, I didn't throw any rocks. He said, well, what was you doing out there? I said, I just, well, I'm just helping them put rocks on the 
stump there and they was getting them and throwing them. He said, that's just as guilty. You're an accomplice. And he whipped me. That's the second time. Only two I reckon I ever, no, I got one more from a school teacher. But I tell you, when I went to that, I thought to myself, I'm, I'm a goner, I'm a dunner. Well, the reason I said all that is, I talked to him about the Lord. He likes me pretty good. Right now, as old as I am, I never mentioned that. I know he ain't forgot it. But he respects me to high heaven. I'm telling you, that's what happens to people like this. They knew Daniel had something good. They knew he had some goods. They knew he was real. They knew he was right. But God is the only one that can do that. I've seen it before. Haven't you seen it in your life? Somebody don't like you, and you deal with them a little while, next thing you know, they just befriend you. And God is the only one that can do that. He's the only one that can change that. I'm glad that he can, praise God. I got some right now I'm praying for that he'll do them, but he ain't done that yet. Amen. Maybe I need to change. Sometimes it's you that need to change. Sometimes it's me that needs to change. And it said, now, God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And then in verse number 10, I'm not going to get into but just a little of this. He said, And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my Lord the king. And I don't understand that. Did you know what causes a lot of people tonight in the church to let their guard down? Is they have the fear of man in them. Now this man feared the king. The king was the highest in the order. He feared his job. He fears some other thing. I'm going to tell you something. You can fear man and get in trouble. And uh, I don't know where you know that or not. But I think I've got a verse of scripture that tells us about that. And we look at it and we appreciate what, what the Lord God says in the word. Amen and amen. The Lord knows what will get to us and how we need to be gotten to. But uh, the Lord tells us in the book of Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man bringeth a snare. You know what a snare is? Something you get caught in. Trap. But if we have the fear of man, we're in trouble. Oh, yeah. Bible teaches us we're not to fear man. We're to fear God who can destroy body and soul in hell. But what this man was fearful of was the king and the I know and understand that, and we'll talk about that later when I get back into that again. But I'm talking about here the prince of the eunuchs had a bigger problem than Daniel did. Daniel didn't fear man. But this prince of the eunuchs feared God, or feared man over God. And so we look at that. I found out this thing in my life, if you honor God, God will honor you. Daniel had in his mind that he was going to going to stand uh, for what he stood for because he purposed in his heart to stay clean. He purposed in his heart to trust the Word of God. He purposed in his heart to believe the Word and have faith. He trusted God and believed the Lord and purposed in his heart that he was not going to fret. He was not going to fear. He wasn't going to uh, 
back up. He's going to honor God in everything. And you can rest assured, I believe old Daniel slept good every night. I know he had one good night. Best night he'd had. When he laid down on the side of one of them old lines where they laid down over and he's a purring like a kitten all night long. The world will face people tonight that are scared to death of what's going to happen, that they think's going to happen, that they heard's going to happen. And they're worrying about things over here that they're not even going to be here if they just get their act straight. Amen. I've heard so much fear of everything going on and one comes out and prophesies this and they're not a prophet and they'll prophesy something else and they're not a prophet. And uh, I just take my Bible. Hey, some of the stuff they say may happen. I don't know. I'm not into that. I know what I do know about it. And that's not scaring me. What I hear, I'm going to get delivered. I see all this stuff going on. They're talking about the money. They're talking about all the stuff in the world. And you hear it every day, wherever you go. The old boy down at the bank. I told him the system is going to crumble, and uh, I said, "What you?" And I, them people's working there, and I said, I, uh, "Some of y'all have to hunt you another job." They just looked at me; they didn't know what in the world I was talking about. But they will one of these days. Yeah, it'll change. And I've been preaching that, and it's not because. Uh, I see in things, it's because the Bible said, we're going to have a mess, but I'm not planning on being here. <laughs> why, why do I want to worry about something that might happen? My mother-in-law was one of the world's worst. She worried about not having anything to worry about. To worry, worry, worry. And uh, she said, uh, she didn't have no peace. I said, I'll tell you why you don't have no peace. You don't give all out. I done, you don't give everything away. She'd say, I, I give them a piece of my mind. That's the reason she's out of her mind sometimes. Say amen right there. You start letting everything work. Listen, God's people are not people of fear. I'll tell you what I do fear of. I fear of loved ones and friends and family and people that I've dealt with for years and even the world that's going to hell. I want to see them saved. Amen. Praise God. I beg God to let me talk to somebody every day. I want to win them. I want to win them. They don't want to listen, but I want to tell them. All right. Heads bowed tonight. We're just touching on this a little bit. We're going to get over into some real interesting stuff in Daniel. It's going to take us a little while to get there, but this is pretty good tonight to thinking about where he got to, why he got there. And he got there trusting God. If you can, going out the door tonight, show me in the Word of God in the book of Daniel where God let him down. He didn't. It happened right for him. Put your trust in God. And I've said this, you take care of God's business, and God take care of your business. You won't have to worry, fret, nothing. Somebody said, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. 
the same God that's brought you as far as he's brought you tonight can take you the rest of the way. I hadn't had a bed of roses all the way, and neither will we as long as we've got a devil in, in, in control. But I'll tell you this much. You commit yourself more to God, and God will commit more to you. He said, draw nigh to him, he'll draw nigh to you. The closer you get to God, the closer God will be to you. The more you love him, the more he'll love you. Of course, he already loves you with a heavenly love. You, you'll just all of a sudden wake up and find out he's been loving you all the time. I'm glad God won't love me, can't love me any more than he loves me now. But God can't love you any more than he loves me. And he can't love you any more than he loves you now. Isn't that wonderful? Praise God. His love is a holy love. Amen. I thank him for staying with me, staying by me, leading me along. Amen. I didn't say lead, leave me alone. I'm saying lead me alone. Takes care of me. Leads me to the next hillside to get something to eat. Takes me down the still small waters to drink from the fountain. Leads me down into the deep things of God to stir my soul and help me. Oh, what a God. Oh, what a God. I say, oh, what a God tonight. Father, touch these people. Strengthen, encourage, have your own way. Lord, I pray you be, we'd be brought close to you. Lord, may your hand be near. And Father, may we not walk off. May we not turn our head. But we cling to you with all our strength and all our might. Lord, may you purge us everything in our soul and clean us up and keep us clean. Watch over us. Lord, thank you for the convicting hand of the Spirit that shows us when we're going wrong. The Lord even tells us that we are cooled down and slacked off. The Lord tries to get us back to the place we need to be. Thank you, Lord, tonight for who you are. Amen and amen. All right. Girls, come. We'll switch them back and forth. Amen. Thank you for coming, ladies and gentlemen.